Welcome to episode 34 of Miles and Pints, the travel and beer podcast. I'm Derek Dye. And I'm Jeff Brownson, and together we're drinking our way through this amazing world one pint at a time. Whether you love to travel, you love a cold local beer, or you just can't get enough of either, you're listening to the right podcast. That's what we're here to talk about. Our guest today is Richard Kerr. In our last episode, we heard about Richard's background in the travel world and the exciting new things he's doing with Built. This week, we're going to get a little more personal. We'll talk about some of Richard's favorite spots to travel to, how he picks the perfect beer to drink when he's on the road, and hear about some of his best award redemptions. Before we get to that interview, though, let's take a minute to thank our regular listeners. Without you, we'd just be talking to ourselves. If you haven't already, click that button to subscribe to the show so you won't miss anything we have coming down the line. And now let's get to the good part. Sit back, relax, crack open your favorite brew, and enjoy our chat with Richard. All right, so we heard all about your background, Richard, and we talked on the last episode about built rewards and the built card and the amazing program that you are helping to build at built, I guess is the way you would say it. I keep uh, I keep trying not to say build it built. I say like created it builder, but I always do it. <laughs> I actually kind of like that. So that, that you're building it built. Yeah. And now I want to get into the more personal side of things, though, I guess we're going to hit on some business travel also, but we want to get into your travels because you've been doing, as we talked about, these miles and points maximizing programs and the points that you earn for years, and you've taken some amazing trips with that. But let's start with the basics, your your basic travel style. Do you travel mostly on your own as a couple with your family, as a group of friends? What's What's your typical go-to? If you'd asked me this before COVID, I'd have a good answer for you. But um, lately, it's been everything and anything. But the way I categorize it is a little bit cliche, but it just completely defines me. It's a champagne taste on a Coors Light budget. I mean, like, the places I've gotten myself into on points and miles that should cost a lot and that I have a huge taste for, I would (laughs) never pay for. So... Brought my kids up to New York City with my sister while I had to work in the office a couple weeks ago. We had this ridiculous suite at the Park Hyatt in New York. That was going for however many thousands of dollars a night. And it was great because finding a big hotel room at a place that has a pool for the kids to, you know, they're only four and six, so they can't just walk around and do stuff all day. It's tough to do. So the Park Hyatt was amazing. It was great. Fantastic use of Chase Old Rewards Transfer to World of Hyatt. And I love it. On the other hand, I've had an RV now for the last year, and we've gone on some amazing RV trips to the most ridiculous campgrounds in some corners of the United States <laughs> that are the exact opposite of the Park Hyatt in New York in every way, shape, or form from the head down. And we've had just as much fun sleeping in the RV at the Jellystone Campground next to Yogi Bear in Alberta, Alabama, right? So, I mean, I don't know what kind of travel style would you <laughs> like categorize that as besides, like, I don't, I love the finer things in life, but... Um, I would never pay for them. On the other hand, sitting next to a fire at night after the kids have gone to bed and I got nothing to do but drink a beer and sit with my feet up and like, like that's completely my happy space as well. Um, does that give any insight into <laughs> what I like? It does. It's actually, I mean, it's amazingly similar to how I travel with my family. And I think 
what the pandemic has taught us, and it sounds like you're having the same experience as me, is that any travel sounds good now. Like if someone says, yeah. let's go do this, you're like, yes, whether it's your wife, whether it's one of your kids is like, I want to go see this. Like, okay, fine. Like when you told us you were going to have this launch party up in New York, no, within seconds, Derek and I were like, yep, we'll come up to New York. No problem. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she should have given have slow played it like I did. I'm like, yeah, give me 24 hours, man. Let me check my schedule. And yeah, see. I don't know. We're like, we have a reason okay, to leave okay, the house. We'll yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what yeah, I talked to a few other people. Um, I talked to the woman who runs the community for Nomadic Matt, and she was like, this is the first thing I've done. And I was like, me too. <laughs> like, I haven't put on nice clothes in the entire pandemic. Um, and she was like, this was a, it's just a fantastic event and it's so exciting to get out and do things again. And I think that kind of sums up the attitude for so many, many of us that have been heavily traveling over the years. Like, yes. Can we get to a campground? Yes. Let's go. Can we get to the park Hyatt? Yes. Let's go. <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. anything yeah. we can do. We did, we did Mexico, um, about a month ago, five weeks ago, just my wife is the first time we left our kids since before COVID. So having three nights without the the young ones was obviously awesome, um, as well as we met some friends down there at the end as Mayakoba. I'm a height guy, if you can't tell, <laughs> but it's like so awesome. So, I mean, that kind of stuff is, is just uh, as intriguing and as fun to me, literally, as going camping. Like, it doesn't matter. Um, my wife always thinks I have a problem where she's like, why aren't you content just being home? And I'm like... Because there's all these things out there, and Look like at all now the that we now that we have been home for a long time, she knows like it's 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 over. Like I'm I'm gone. <laughs> like you guys come, don't come. I'll take the kids. You like I. She went on eight day Grand Canyon trip by herself with her parents. That's why the kids came with me to New York City. Even though like we're all like <laughs> spread. Like <laughs> who's going where? We don't care. Let's just go. I've been struggling the past couple of weeks. My wife has been on a 16-day trip to Peru, and she comes back tomorrow. But she, I mean, if you're friends with us on Facebook and you've seen some of her posts, she posted today kind of a summary, and they hiked, I think it was just over 96 or 97 total miles with 22,000 feet of elevation gain over nine days. And it's just like, man, I would have died on day one of that. <laughs> but, Congrats on having a fit wife. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, it, I've been at home for the past 16 days, and I'm here with the dogs, and I managed to sneak up to New York and had someone watch the dogs, but I haven't been able to really plan trips. My kids left. They drove up. My kids are apparently old enough to do that now, but they're up visiting my parents in New York without me. It's weird, and I'm just like, she comes home tomorrow, and I'm already thinking maybe I should fly somewhere the next day, but I do kind of want to see her after a couple of weeks. So I don't know. It's not going to be too long till I'm on a plane somewhere, though. Yeah, we're taking off this, uh, when we're recording this, I guess, the week before 4th of July, so we're headed to uh, my parents in Charleston, South Carolina for a long weekend. Um, as a family, just the uh, the road trip over there, it's like a five and a half hour drive for us. So, you know, it's been a while. I haven't seen my extended family, you know, since before COVID, and we got a family beach house out there at Folly Beach, South Carolina, so 4th of July celebrations this Sunday in Charleston will be, like, that'll be awesome. That'll be just as awesome as a park hide, you know, so it'll be looking forward to it. And going way back all the way to 2011 when you got in this crazy world of points and miles, tell our listeners what your uh, favorite award redemption has been. Oh, wow. Um, I always go back to my first one. Like I'm telling you guys, when I said I started deep, like we didn't like fly to Vegas or anything on points and miles. Uh, we were living in Seattle. It was my wife's birthday. No kids. We did 
Seattle, San Francisco, Honolulu, Tokyo, Seoul, Frankfurt, Seattle, and United Business Class, Japan Airlines Business Class, uh, Lufthansa First Class, and we saw all those places around the world, and it was 100,000 United miles total per person. Uh, that was back in the days of open jaws and stopovers and all that stuff that you could do with a one-way um, segment book with American Miles on Japan Airlines. So I still think back to that and realizing um, to that point we'd never been to Hawaii before, um, to that point we'd never been to Asia before and spent a week in Seoul. Um, and then when you find yourself in those stands of first class, uh, that's right when the first class terminal had opened. I mean, just like... <laughs> after that trip it was done like i like i didn't like you're kind of skeptical right when you first do this stuff you redeem the points i always feel like after you like redeem for a first class flight you walk on the jet bridge you get in your seat and like before the jetway pulls back you feel like somebody's gonna walk on tap you on the shoulder and be like, we know what you did mr curry you can't be here right. please follow yeah. us and like, you're not wearing you're the like, right pants for this you're please. not <laughs> like you're not you're not one of we know what you did your we dad cargo we, shorts don't fit here <laughs> we, we know, we saw this itinerary book. You're not allowed to do that. Please get off the plane and follow. Like you're expecting that. So once, like the first, especially the first time going in, we're like, are we? Is this okay? Like I have the boarding pass. It says my name. It matches my passport. But is this really okay? That first trip was um, was great for for so many reasons. Uh, we were in Hawaii on my wife's birthday. I got food poisoning. I was in the Frankfurt Hospital. Was given what we are still pretty sure to this day was liquid cocaine because in a matter of an hour after being horribly ill for 24 hours, I was like good and like ready to go We until there's no other explanation. And I, I just go back to that. And it was all for a hundred, like around the world and first in business class for a hundred thousand United miles. I mean, done. I was down the rabbit hole and never coming out after that. Yeah. I always say that, you know, to, to, um, to my group and to to my moderators, you know, how do you get someone or how do you become addicted to miles? Yeah, everybody can redeem them through the Chase or MX portals for, you know, 1.0 to 1.5 cents a point. But you get someone booking, you know, the Park High at Sydney or the Around the World in Business or First, you're hooked, right? It's really tough to go to the back of the bus again. No, it's that's completely true. And it is, um, yeah, that's the, that's the wrong problem, though. And for... The ladies and gentlemen who might be trying to get, convince their significant others to get into the game, do not start with around the world in business class. Just take the economy class flight. Don't set them up for that expectation. That's where I went wrong. Because after that, especially living in Japan, and my wife would fly back and forth a few times when she was pregnant or after we had our son out there. Anytime I tried to put her in economy, like it was, it was a non-starter. She's like, I like no. <laughs> I was like, son of a. I should set those expectations up wrong. And that's what that happened with my family, too. I had flown, uh, I had upgraded coming home from Oktoberfest one time to Lufthansa first. So I flew Munich to Chicago and Lufthansa first, which was my first international first class flight. But my wife wasn't with me. But then the first one I took her on, we flew. Uh, it was our first trip to Asia, and we flew Cathay Pacific first class into Hong Kong, and then we flew Thai first out of Bangkok coming back with the hour-long massages and the lounge there. And it, I mean, it was wonderful. <laughs> but it was, again, like, she was like, why can't we fly like this all the time? I'm like, because it costs all the points. Or like when we took our kids to Asia and we flew Cathay business class, and it was my kid's first time in business class on an international flight and my son was like oh no i don't want to fly anything else ever again i was like me neither bud but we have to so it was we actually when i got my orders to leave outside of seattle to japan there's a military charter because of how many military fly back and forth from the pacific northwest to japan like it's every day there's families flying back and forth 
But it's on, at that time, an old Omni Air, which is just a charter um, aircraft, 767, that's like 20 years old, with no in-flight entertainment and everything. <laughs> this was like a year and a half after I'd started the Points and Miles in that first trip, and I was like, um, I'm just going to get my own ticket. And they're like, you, you're you going to what? And I was like, I'm just going to get my own ticket. And they're like, you can't, can you do that? <laughs> and I was like, I'm not showing up for this charter flight, which, of course, in true military fashion, leaves at like 3 in the morning, got to get there at like midnight. We were taking our two cats to Japan because my wife refused to leave these cats. Um, you got like it was just just an atrocious experience. I was like, I'm gonna get my own ticket. So I ended up booking Lufthansa first class um, to Asia via Frankfurt, and then Thai first class from Frankfurt to Bangkok. Went to Bali for a while. Flew from Bali to Singapore, Singapore to Japan, and Singapore Airlines business class. And like showed up at the base the next day, and like they are already like, so you're that guy that got his own ticket, aren't you? And I was like. Oh boy, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> You're like, wait, no. You mean everyone doesn't come here through Bali? Like, yeah. Am I the only one? They're like, flew? what's your flight itinerary? I was like, this, 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 and like what we call my gaining the command, the the organization I was going to were like, uh, all right, we got one of these guys coming. <laughs> I was like, I'm not. I just don't. I'm not flying the the seven sixty seven. Uh, from 1970 across the Pacific. <laughs> I just like to lay down in cushy seats and get a good meal and a glass of champagne in the air. It's cool. And I, I went to Bali, got to see that, got to see the in Bangkok. Like it was, it was sweet. It was cool. And speaking of luxury flying rather than being stuck in a miserable coach experience, tell us a few of your favorite airline experiences. Oh man. Anytime you fly Japanese airline, ANA or Japan airlines, first in business class is phenomenal. Always my favorite. Flew them, luckily, several times back and forth during the time in Japan. Um, that Thai Airways flight was on the A380 first class, Royal first, from Frankfurt to Bangkok. I think it was me and another guy in first class, so they just completely um, took care of you. I'll tell you the most interesting and probably the most fun. I wrote a review that was on the Point Shock, and I think it's still on Flyer Talk somewhere. The day that Air India joined the Star Alliance in 2014 or 15, um, I redeemed miles to fly from... Delhi to Newark, no, yeah, Delhi to Newark nonstop, which was Air India's longest flight, and at that time, like, the fifth longest flight in the world. Um, I had to get from Japan to Delhi, so I booked a business class from Tokyo to Delhi, um, which by itself is like a nine-hour flight, and then I had like a two-hour layover before like a 15-hour flight. I remember I landed, and I, and I flew Air India first class, which is a 777-300 that has one row of first class with four seats, and you got a hard wall. Then you got business and, and on back. So I booked Air India first class with United Miles for like the first day that they were going to be in the Star Alliance. You can make the redemption. I landed. Three gentlemen met me at the gate, the arriving flight from Japan Airlines. One parted the crowd in front of me. One carried my bag. And one allowed the crowd to get closed in behind me, walking through the Delhi airport, through transit security, into the first class lounge. And I've, I've never been more uncomfortable, to be honest, because the number of eyeballs that were on me and people saying, Oh, Prince William, like going through like this kind of stuff was just <laughs> absolutely crazy. They like had the entire lounge blocked off for me. Cause like, I don't know if they figured like, who's this guy flying at the time you could not buy an air India first class ticket. It was literally just for like the buddy, buddy system of Indian ministers to upgrade their buddies to fly first class. Like it wasn't even a fair they sold, but you could for whatever reason, redeem United miles for it. Probably a so mistake. I guess they figured. So yeah, so I guess they figured I was somebody's friend in the Indian government that had gotten like this 
upgrade to first class. But yeah, so did that, did the lounge experience for like three hours. They had everything blocked off, tons of handlers checking on me every 15 minutes. I was like, oh, what in the world? And then flew this 15 hour flight on Air India 777-300 for, yeah, um, with just me in first class with only four seats in this little mini cabin, two dedicated flight attendants to me. And it was just like, there's so many ridiculous things now looking back. Anytime I was like, what do you want to eat? And I was like, whatever, like, what do you recommend? Like, make me something fun. Like, you know, like got to be friends. I was like, as soon as I could tell that I was just like a normal dude. And I was like, let's chat. Like, I got no, I got nothing to do for 15 hours. What are you guys up to? Like, let's have salt and pepper, spicy gin and tonics or whatever they made me. Um, and then I walked back through the rest of the plane and it was like a party back there, like 15 hours in air in the economy. Everybody was up. People were asleep in the flight attendant jump seats. They had the food carts just parked in the middle of the aisles and everybody was helping themselves. And like, <laughs> I pulled the curtain back and walked back there like eight hours into the flight, dead silence. <laughs> like, uh, are you, and I was quickly ushered back up to the flight. <laughs> like, no, no, you don't belong <laughs> like, back here. <laughs> You're not this supposed to be back here. You're not yeah, supposed yeah. to be back here. I was like, no, no, like it just looks like the fun part of the plane. Like this is what's going on. There's nothing going on up there. It's just me, <laughs> like in the in the two poor guys looking for something to do. And then the flight deck opened, like somewhere over the North Pole, and a very young Indian woman walked out in a pilot's uniform. Which at the time, and you know, even seven years ago, I was like, wait a minute, like that blows all my stereotypes out of what I would expect from, <laughs> you know. India as a country and she was like a just brand new certified triple seven pilot and we talked for like an hour and a half about like how she did her flight training back in the US and now she's like this trailblazer going on and like I uh, still keep in touch with her on Facebook and it's like holy cow like this is the greatest flight ever it's like it was also not really a great flight <laughs> from like the cabin was horribly worn out the food was incredibly mediocre but like that entire experience was just like okay this is ridiculous so that was a really long story of telling my air india first class <laughs> from delhi to to newark um and, but that's like literally the why we do this right i mean like that that was awesome yeah for those ridiculous stories and those when people think you're very important we checked in and where was I think it was a St. Regis in Kuala Lumpur, and we got upgraded to a room with butler service, and it had, they were like, well, it only has one king bed, but we can bring in rollaways for the kids. And I was like, yep, okay, fine. It was the end of a trip. I was like, yes, I will take the king bed. <laughs> and my wife was like, yes, we will take the king bed. And we got to this room, and it was there so there was enough space that when we mo- moved the massage table aside, because it had its own massage room in this suite so that you wouldn't have to get a massage with others but they put one of the full actual beds it wasn't like a fold-up roll away it's like stood up on end and rolled in it was an actual mattress and box spring yeah so that went in one the closet was big enough that the other kid could fit in there in a full bed (laughs) and we had all these beds but they're telling us about it and they're like and you could get hot cocoa if you want and my son's face lit up he was like i don't understand why we're here but i love it (laughs) i'll have three and we got hot. I mean, we we probably got to that hotel at eleven fifteen at night, and we got hot cocos before bed because they needed their hot cocos. They were like, "We're not going to be here in the morning." Turn down services where it's at. I love it. And you know, like you said earlier, champagne on the Coors Light budget. I mean, that's the perfect analogy to points and miles, right? It's it. The best redemptions are those things we spend points for that we couldn't otherwise afford. Uh, you'd never get into first class Air India on the first day, like you say, right? You'd never have yeah. this turn down service with hot cocoa uh, at a at a room with butler service if you're, you know, for most of us if you're paying cash. But points and miles make it all possible. Uh, so much, and I mean, there's all the backstories behind that. The, the places you've 
ended up with I think the friends I know Jeff you made several friends with hotel employees that you like I still keep in touch with um at certain properties around Asia I mean just like that network again the network of friends and knowing like probably anywhere like I can go to any of these Facebook groups and say like hey I'm going so and so does anybody have number one a recommendation probably number two somebody's going to pop up and say I'll be there number three somebody's going to like have the local experience that you would only get because you have a connection there like that's like First class is like awesome. I mean, there's nothing better than not sitting in coach for 14 hours, but then getting there and ended up in some ravine that is on no map that you would have never seen otherwise. And you're like, how is this still earth and not Pandora? Like, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the super cool part that points and miles makes happen as well. I'm pretty sure that's what my wife was doing for the last two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Some of the pictures she said, I was like, this, how do you, and the answer is you can't get there unless you trek for five days up and down mountains. Yeah. Or even like the access thing. Like, uh, Jeff, we did a few Disney trips, um, where you like get the magic, mm-hmm. like Disney experience that you, and that was all because of meeting people through points and miles where you're like, what the heck? Like I'm never waiting in line again. Like, be and like, they're like, here's your fast pass. And we're like, oh, so this is good for one fast pass. And they're like, oh no, that's good. Anytime you want to use the fast pass line <laughs> for and the we next like, three days. What? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, a, okay. I'll do that's that. another or, one that ruined my kids. They're like, we can't go to Disney as regular people anymore. Or you and I rode like the first day of the new Pandora ride was open when you and I rode that together for the first time. Yeah, that and, first uh, night we rode it seven times. Yeah, we like, kept riding this thing. We're, we're like, like, do we have to get off? They were like, no. We're like, okay, we're not going to then. <laughs> Just me and you sitting there. It's like all of this is re- all of this possible because of the community of points and miles to make it happen and it's just like holy smokes yeah like, there was oh. like a fancy cocktail hour going down outside and we were supposed to be networking and all this and we kind of snuck in on the line and we're like we're gonna ride this seven times <laughs> but i mean like it's it's so people like long i guess there should be a moral to the story of this but it's like if you're not involved in the travel on points group you're not spending time there you're even if you're an introvert i used to say this at the events i held in person like i used to tag my moderators to be like hey you got to go out to the introverts who have like probably been in hives and sweats all day thinking about like showing up to this actual first in-person meeting of this group. They've logged like, I mean, just like go for it. You got to go for it. We'll be friendly. We'll introduce you. I mean, you guys all, we probably know several introverts that have come out of their shell a little bit um, through the groups and the meetups. Like it's just so worth it. So if you haven't done that stuff, Chicago seminars coming up this October, like just take the plunge and go for it. If you're an introvert and you see me come up and say, Hey, and say, I'm an introvert. And like, I'll get it. And like, I'll take, I'll show you, we'll, we'll show you the way. We'll make sure you're, you're good to go. And if you come up to me and ask me if I'm Richard, I'll take you over to Richard and introduce you. <laughs> <laughs> and if you haven't been to these meetups before, like Richard said, not only do you meet uh, close, loyal, and hopefully lifelong friends, but you also learn things at meetups that you'll never learn on the interwebs. So, um, like Richard said, take an opportunity, find one of these meetups to go to, and do yourself a favor and show up and, and talk to people. You won't regret it. Especially with the world finally reopening. I know there's a few meetups on the books now and some smaller ones of just core groups of points and miles folks that have already happened. Um, just last week, hanging out with everybody uh, in person again, chilling on a hotel rooftop, having drinks. It's like, oh, man, this is so long overdue. So <laughs> even more motivation to get out there and make it happen. Yeah, we have some stuff coming up in the D.C. area. I know Derek has a, a Travel on Points meetup in July in a couple of weeks. We're starting to do, um, actually, by the time this airs, it, it'll be last weekend. I'm getting a few people together just for beers at a local brewery. But that's one of the things that I love about this is 
you mentioned always knowing someone anywhere there. I, I've got to the point now where if I put out on social media, hey, I'm going to be in such a such town, anyone want to grab a drink? There's almost definitely going to be someone in that town, wherever it is, who's like, yeah, sure, let's go grab a drink. And I mean, you just keep networking and making friends and it just keeps getting better and better. But on that vein of drinks, let's talk a little bit about beer. And you've not so much hinted as made it a part of your personality that everyone (laughs) who knows you knows that you are a huge fan of Coors Light. Yeah, no lies detected. It's true. (laughs) And that's your go-to when you're at home, obviously. Tonight you're drinking Yingling because Costco and cheap, a little bit better quality beer in my opinion but others would argue with me you would probably argue with me um but you don't you're not always getting a Coors when you're out on the road which I think is interesting because a lot of people get they get used to that Miller Lite or that Coors Lite or that um beer that they have all the time at home and then they go out and they look for that at bars but I can't count the number of times where you've texted me a picture of a beer list and said hey what should I try what's going to be mm-hmm. interesting what i guess what makes you want to try that when you're traveling or what why do you look to try something new like that yeah well i mean part of an entire part of travel is you know the culinary arts and the cuisine of trying of wherever you are or whatever you're at I can get a Coors Light and be in my comfort zone at home all the time, but I don't travel to be in my comfort zone. Like we travel to be outside of it. So on occasion, if it's a business trip and it's just been a heck of a day and I just need that grounding or something, I might get a Coors Light, but 98% of the time on the road, I'm probably not drinking Coors Light unless we're at the Chicago seminars and you know, somebody shows up with, with the 12 pack and I'm like, all right, well, I guess we're drinking that. But now I just want to try something new. Um, like just like I didn't know there was a, a banana s'mores beer, like, well, then what do I not know exists in Indonesia or in Germany, especially, or, you know, renowned beer places. So, um, what can I experience that I've never experienced before and I won't ever experience again. And, uh, maybe I can try something else. My only thing is I'm just, I'm just never going to be an IPA guy. I'm sorry, Derek. I've just, <laughs> I've given it a solid five or six year ago. It's just not, it's just not for me. Um, I'm a hundred percent okay with that. It means more yeah. for me. So <laughs> we're, we're, we can, we can agree to disagree. Yeah. Um, but go to if I'm if I'm just traveling, hanging around. I'll see. Uh, I always ask. I don't. I don't ask. You're gonna ask me why. But I don't know why. If there's a red ale on on draft, I'll always go for that first. Um, would always ask for if it's somewhere international. Love trying the different pilsners. Um, but I also love uh, a, a heavy brown ale as well. Um, is, is what I'll go for. Actually, local brewery here in town, um, which is incredibly affordable. When you're used to seeing New York City drink prices, and like I came home and met a buddy and took my son to the brewery here in uh small town georgia and like i asked to close my tab after we'd been drinking for a couple hours and she was like 14 bucks i was like no no i had three and she's like yeah 14 14 bucks bucks. i was like i love living in georgia so much (laughs) (laughs) but i drink their heavy brown ale there um is that like a a scottish ale or something like that yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. cool yeah it's a little bit higher alcohol um, do you find yourself gravitating towards, I know you're a big fan of bourbon, um, not, not on the beer side of things, mm-hmm. but do you find yourself enjoying some of these? There's a lot more dark beers coming out that are bourbon barrel aged. Does that something that you enjoy because of the connection to the bourbon or does that get a little too much into the dark and malty for you? 
No, um, I, I don't think I enjoy it because of the bourbon, and that that won't gravitate me to order something off of a menu. Uh, very much a sampler guy, and by no means a beer connoisseur. It's very much like that looks interesting. Let me taste that. Do I like it or do I not like it? Like I won't analyze why or I like or don't like it. I'll just go off of um, first gut instinct. I'll say the only thing I don't particularly like about a dark heavy ale is I I don't like being so full after one. Like I don't. I don't want to be full after drinking a beer. Um, so I feel like it's going to be one of those experiences. I'll probably one and done or pass on it. Um, you maybe don't want to have a banana s'mores lactose no, pastry no. sour. You threw, up, you threw it up in front of the camera real quick. And I was like, yeah, I think I would be full after that. I don't think I want to. It like, was definitely, like <laughs> definitely smoothie consistency. Yeah, I always, I don't like drinking a loaf of bread. Like I don't want to drink a loaf of bread. Is <laughs> how I feel like that. So, uh, pass on that. I get that. Would you ever travel for a beer festival? I know we've talked a couple of times about Oktoberfest. You said when we were up in New York, like you got to make it to that at some point now that your kids are getting a little bit older and you can leave them for an extended period of time. But do festivals and things like that, whether it be uh, Oktoberfest for beer or Carnival or any of those things, is that something that intrigues you that you desire to start going to more of those things now that you've time is freeing up a little bit um time i guess your time's not freeing side. up yeah <laughs> on the family time. side of things time's <laughs> freeing up but on the work side you're absolutely slammed but yeah um no i i definitely would events are a huge reason for me to travel i love going and checking something out i'll just say on a personal level like believe it or not there's a large part of me that is an introvert so when i do any of these events um especially as i've gotten to become a speaker and always someone coming up to you and talking to you like i gotta have a, a reset time so like if i was gonna go do an Oktoberfest or Carnival, like there would be very specific like recharge times for me. It's really to go sit back in the hotel room and do nothing because I just I just gotta have that time and it's something that I've found to be incredibly helpful when going nonstop all the time. Like I did last week in New York. We had events three nights in a row. Um after you guys left we had another night of events of doing a soul cycle class and a Q and A afterwards with our partners, American and Hyatt there. Like that afternoon was like me in the hotel room for like three hours, like checking email a couple times and then just like shut it off, chill down, recharge that stuff. So like a hundred percent in for Oktoberfest to do that. You would just literally notice like during the afternoons, probably for like three and a half hours, you'd be like, did we lose them? <laughs> I'd be like, nope, nap time, recharge. And then that's usually why I can stay out so late too. Cause like I'll crush the naps and then when everybody else is tiring out, I'm like, Ooh, had a great nap. Like I'm still going hard. <laughs> Well, I can tell you the last Oktoberfest that we went to, uh, Julie Spira did crawl down and take a nap under the table and in the actual beer hall. So maybe you can curl up do down that. there with Julie and you guys can have nap time under the table. That would not be my style. I would piece her right back out to the hotel. <laughs> piece out right to the hotel. Uh, and I'll catch, catch up wherever y'all are after that. <laughs> she popped up, refreshed, she was ready to go. It was, it was amusing. No, but yeah, again, long answer, yeah, absolutely. I, I absolutely want to make that um, happen, especially with the, with the crew that you guys travel with all the time. Like, that would be so much fun. All right, so let's run through a, a couple of best, most interesting things real quick uh, as we close up and get some of the, I, I guess, fall deep into the mind of Richard Kerr's travel. What's the, we've talked about the best, what's the strangest or most interesting award redemption that you've ever done? Besides yeah, that Air so, India one, I mean, like, <laughs> honestly, that, that's pretty strange and, and interesting, but, uh, whether it's the most interesting place you've been or the craziest booking or. 
what yeah, do you I got think for us? Uh, Phnom Penh, Cambodia, has got to be the weirdest destination and kind of experience. So I flew from uh, Tokyo to Taipei, had an overnight layover, checked out an ISG hotel at the Taipei airport, and then flew China Airlines, which of course is Taiwanese, not Chinese, or whatever it is these days. <laughs> it's not mainland uh, China carrier into Phnom Penh. Um, 737 flight, I remember that. I was the only person up in business class. It's like an hour and a half flight, and of course you have full hot meal service and all that stuff. But going into Phnom Penh, um, I didn't. I knew absolutely nothing about Cambodia. I don't remember why I booked this trip. I think it was just an intriguing location that had award availability. Um, at the time, I think 2014, um, you land, and it's kind of a strange place for a non-AP reporter, non-diplomat to show up as an American. It was the day of their elections, so as soon as I got to the hotel, which was run by a very nice Belgium guy, and this was just some no-name place I had found somewhere, he kind of warned me, like, hey, we would just kind of recommend you come back to the hotel tonight and not really hang out long. We're not really sure what's going to happen. It's like not, not immediate threats of violence, but we're just not really sure. And then you start getting um, petitioned for a couple of things on the sidewalk, so pin on pin as a Western man. Number one, the most disconcerting was incredibly young girls coming up to you and soliciting you for, um, I could not believe the gestures and acts they were talking about. So that was quite unsettling. Um, and then second is there's a huge contingency of old Russian and Chinese arms in Cambodia from whatever occurred. I looked it up now, but you can like go drive old Chinese tanks and shoot them and you can go, shoot RPGs on the range and you can go shoot machine guns and you can go shoot live livestock with these animals. I mean with these weapons and like, it's like 30 bucks <laughs> you can, you can go shoot a cow with an RPG and pin on pin Cambodia for like 30 bucks. That's like weird a, and wrong. I was a hundred percent on board with this until you mentioned livestock, like shooting an RPG <laughs> just at like a tree or something sounds amazing. <laughs> Like they show you like pictures of like come shoot like in broken English like come shoot this you know thirty bucks with like a picture of an RPG and a picture of a cow and they're like range and then like I get back to the hotel to ask again like the Belgium guy I'm like is this like what did I lose in translation and he's like no that's real and I was like <laughs> no that's what you do <laughs> okay um, so just a really wild experience and then if you know anything about um, like I don't know Khmer Rouge is one of these things that's happened in the world where basically Cambodia said, Hey, anybody that's educated, we're going to go ahead and kill you off and everybody's going to be farmers and you're going to make food for um, the country. It's in the late seventies. And there's a prison camp called S 71 that you can go visit and pin on pin for basically all the political prisoners or anybody that was educated where they tortured them for whatever reason. It's been a while since I've read the history. It's an old high school and you can go there. And because this was the late seventies, this was happened like, it's not like this really robust historical society has gone in and made it a really like polished museum. It's like all of the stuff that was in use at this time 30 years ago, 35 years ago is still there. So like all this the torture instruments are there. Like the blood-stained linens are still on these beds. They like have pictures of prisoners emaciated and tied up to this bed and you're like looking at the like exact same thing. And then all of the survivors are out in the courtyard selling you their stories for a couple bucks. And they have like the pictures of themselves tied up to these instruments. Like it's the only time in my life where I've said after about an hour and a half, I had to leave because it was just enough. Like it was like the gallows were still in the courtyard of the old high school, just an unreal. And then when I got back to the hotel and started reading all this, like, cause this was just like a thing that people were like, yeah, go check this out kind of deal. Like it was just 
overwhelming. Um, and, uh, I don't think we'll ever be replicated from like, I went to Dachau concentration camp, everything that evokes in somebody like, I felt like S 71 was like 10 X of what I experienced at Dachau. I don't know if because it was so recent or because the survivors were there with their own pictures and stories or whatnot, but I was like, I'm out. Like I can't take any more of this stuff. Um, and it was just like, <laughs> it was a while. I think it was only, it might've only been like two nights or three nights there in pin on pin, but it's a trip I'll never forget made possible by points and miles. So that's definitely the strangest, um, award trips that I've ever taken. And if anyone wants to go check that out between death 71 and shooting life cows with RPGs, like, I don't know how you can kind of get any, any more intense than that. That sounds, it's definitely a spot I haven't been to. Um, and I, I've been to a couple of, I, I think it was a landmine museum I went to that hit me pretty hard. Um, and reading about some of the stuff when we were in Cambodia and just that, there's just some awful, terrible stuff that's gone on in that region of the world. And it's, I mean, in some places it's still going on and we don't see that every day. So it's to, to be able to see a little bit of that and to be able to help out in any way you can, I guess, is one of the parts of travel that's not the pretty side of travel but something that's important for us to do as people who don't have to deal with that on a daily basis it's absolutely necessary and it's you know I talk to my wife and the kids all the time like I grew up in a for better or for worse the southern baptist bubble here in Georgia travel wasn't a part of my life until later in high school um but like those are the places like whenever the kids are ready mentally physically or whatever to experience not quite that but something similar to let them know like not everybody around here lives like you, bro. Like, you know, the world is a wide and varying place. Uh, I'm fully counting on points and miles, um, making that a reality for my kids so that when they grow up, they have the perspective to know, like, maybe this is why we should be a moral person, or maybe this is why I'm not going to make this bad decision. Or I'll understand when I make a bad decision, why the ramifications it has of it. All that's going to be because of points and miles that are going to let us uh, take those trips and see those things. So, I, th- I think it's huge. So on a cheerier note, let's talk about just a couple <laughs> of quick hits. Enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> now that we've brought it down a notch on the podcast, let's That's go important. back up That's, a notch. I mean, yeah, it is. I mean, I, I'm joking about it, I guess, because I'm uncomfortable with it. But it's I mean, everyone should be uncomfortable hearing that kind of yep. thing. But let's swing back to the side of uh, amazing trips. Uh, I like to put it as... Is there anywhere, either domestically or internationally, that you've been that you were so amazed by and thought was so great a spot that people should, like, definitely try and get there? Yeah, Vietnam really wowed me. It's still my favorite country when people ask me that question. Specifically, Da Nang, um, or Da Nang, however you want to say it. Um, go check it out there. One of my favorite heights in the world happens to be there, but also the the culture, the French Indochina connection, the seafood, the river, the people, awesome. Um, so go check that out and check out uh, Saigon, Ho Chi Minh City as well. Um, domestically, you know, I continue to find spots that never knew. I think we were talking about some of the national parks and things that people recommended with the RV. Um, we just, it could be anything. And I feel like there's so much of the U.S. that I haven't even touched, but some things that stick out as surprising to me. Number one, the Berkshires in Western Massachusetts was a place never on my radar. When we lived in DC, we flew up to Albany and spent a fall weekend there when they're having a bunch of fall festivals around. And it just really caught me like the, the foliage changing the huge hills and everything up there. 
um, was a really cool spot. So if you hadn't spent a fall weekend in the Berkshires, that's something that I always uh, recommend is checking out. Um, and then as many state parks. So when I go travel, we've driven around, I think, six or seven states now with the RV. We will stay at a state park. There's just like hidden gems everywhere of cool Americana that will just catch you off guard. We stayed at a place called Lee State Park in the middle of nowhere upstate South Carolina. But they had these springs that had been going nonstop since 1930s when whatever new work, new deal package had people go, you know, created jobs for men to go and build state parks. They dug springs in in the 30s and these things still come out and they're like 100% pure drinking water and just stuff like that. It's like, I don't know why, but that strikes me as super cool. Um, and, and the number of state parks just in Georgia where you go somewhere and you're like, this has been an hour and a half away from me my entire life and we've never checked this out. Like there's a place called the Little Grand Canyon that's in like an hour and a half from us. That's a Georgia State Park that's just unbelievable. So I would recommend checking out. Like there's a reason they built a state park there. Go find out why, uh, wherever you are. There's so much stuff that's so close. And we've been doing, people who have been listening to the podcast know that we've been doing a bunch of episodes with breweries out in Loudoun County. And Derek and I, I swear, every time we drive out there, we're like, whoa, did you see that cool town we just drove through? Like, this is, I mean, it's an hour from my house and I haven't seen this stuff. And I think we're making, especially as we come out of the pandemic, a conscious effort when we're not traveling internationally or not traveling to another state to actually get out and see some of the stuff that's close to us because there's so many amazing things around you wherever you live, wherever I have been. Mm -hmm. And if I've been out into the countryside outside of Paris, if I've been wherever in the world, we drove 45 minutes outside of Chiang Mai in Thailand and experienced a amazing little sticky falls and a cool little eco resort in the trees. Like there's, there's cool stuff everywhere. So get out there and explore it. 100%. And as we close up today, Richard, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, talk to us about on the last episode about kind of your how you grew up in the travel reward space <laughs> and the Silly amazing the amazing built rewards and built card program that uh, you're you're working on building built and the the travel stories have just been great on this some of them i i'm reliving with you because we've been in the same spots and some of them are just fun stuff that i'm hearing about and there's definitely been a couple of places that i haven't been that i've been like hmm, maybe i need to book a trip to that but as we close up uh, let people know where they can find you where they can find the you personally where they can find built rewards all that good yeah. stuff yeah uh, every social channel Kerr points k-e-r-r points which by the way maybe you guys have it but like having the same handle across all social has been so clutch it's like the best decision i made was to try and find something that was across there and then uh, builtrewards.com you can sign up uh time airing and join the wait list if you live outside of the built rewards alliance to get the built rewards mastercard love to have you there and then really uh anybody send me an email it's richard at builtrewards.com uh for good better or worse um talk to me always like we do it for 10 years, man. And I don't think I'm going to stop anytime soon talking points and miles as much as we can. <laughs> I had a few folks send me uh, LinkedIn messages with the new gig and everything. And they're like, hey, let's chat sometime. Like my response is always, you know me, talk points and miles anytime. Like it, it doesn't matter. Let's do it. Yeah. Well, like I said, thank you for joining us. I know it's a, it's been a super busy time with you with the launch of the Built program. And I, this is technically your time off and you're doing these media appearance, appearances and late into the evening after your kids have gone to bed but thank you for taking the time to talk to us today it's been a great chat i look forward to seeing you again soon 
Anytime, gents. Thanks, Richard. Appreciate y'all's uh, support as always. Looking forward to what the uh, future holds for us. As always, a great conversation with Richard. Honestly, if you ever have the chance to go to an event that Richard is at or meet him, I highly recommend it. He has a wealth of knowledge in the award travel world and a great guy to share a beer with. Wouldn't you agree, Derek? Absolutely. And not only that, I uh, I love to consider myself a contrarian from, from time to time. Okay, probably all the time. Richard Kerr is also a contrarian, and I guarantee you if you go to any event where he is speaking, you will hear some opinion that is very unpopular, possibly controversial, and he will hold it out as fact. Uh, and I'm, I'm known to do the exact same thing, so I always love to hear him speak. Yes, definitely a fun time hanging out with him. <laughs> but let's get into the updates now, our Miles and Points with Pints segment. There's some big credit card news this week from a, a variety of banks, actually. And we'll get started with the big news today when we're recording. So I guess yesterday when this comes out, the City Premier card has a all-time high 80,000-point welcome offer right now, just announced today, and that's after 4,000 spend in three months. This is one of our favorite cards. I, it's, it's a great card that doesn't have a crazy high annual fee. It has three times earning on restaurants, supermarkets, gas stations, air travel, and hotels. I mean, you can't get that without paying 450 550 even $695 now. So absolutely great card, high offer. I know, Derek, you're planning on picking one up. Oh, yeah. And, Jeff, I, I say all the time, you know, you mentioned all of these good category bonuses. The crazy thing about the City Premier is I think it's the most underrated card on the market. A lot of people... Uh, don't even know about the bonus categories, have never picked it up, uh, even though they're way down that list in the LOL 24 category. They don't have a city premiere. And honestly, I don't understand why. Like you say, uh, you typically would have to pay. You probably, number one, would need multiple cards to cover all these categories. You could get the 4X grocery the uh, and the 4X restaurants on an MX Gold for a 250 annual fee. But the MX Gold does nothing for gas stations and travel. So you're at 1X at that card, so you'd have to add another one to your wallet to get up there. With the Premier, like you said, gas grocery, restaurants, and a bunch of travel categories. It's it's almost a one-size-fits-all. And another important point, for those of us that have a lot of bandwidth, all of these categories are uncapped. So while the MX Gold has a $25,000 annual cap at groceries, uh, and a card like the uh, MX Business Gold has a $150,000 annual cap at gas stations, their premiere is completely uncapped. So uh, if you spend a dollar at a gas station or or a grocery store, doesn't matter how many previous dollars you've spent that year, it will earn 3x on a city premiere. It's a card. I think when you say it's underrated, I agree in that the city thank you points program is underrated for a lot of people in the miles and points world. You hear about Chase. Obviously, we recommend Chase first also because of their 524 rule. 
So you hear a lot of talk about that as people get into this world, and people tend to go next to American Express because they have cards with lifetime language, so you want to get them, and then hopefully maybe seven, six, seven years down the road, your lifetime will have expired with Amex, and you can get the card again. So people tend to get American Express cards, and people love their Ultimate Rewards, and they love their Membership Rewards, and they tend to neglect City Thank You Points, which are actually some of my favorite points to use. They have some cool transfer partners. You have to learn a little bit more to use, get the best value out of them, but definitely a card. I have a Premier card. I have a Prestige card. I love my City Thank You Points. I agree there, and uh, I would say that, uh, as you mentioned, I I plan to get one, in fact, in Travel on Points last night in our weekly chat on Wednesday nights at 9 o'clock, if you want to check that out in the Facebook group. I mentioned that I'm closing on a loan uh, the day before this airs on on Thursday, and my plan last night was to apply for a city premiere as soon as closing was over. Well, that just got a lot better today uh, as the Sign-up bonus went from 60 to 80K, so I am a happy camper right now. It will be my second Premier card. Uh, Assuming I get approved, I plan to downgrade one to a Rewards Plus for that 10% bonus. And Jeff, one note on the Thank You Rewards program, which I think everyone should think about. I do agree with you. I think it's the most underrated of the three transferable currencies out there that we really talk about, Chase, Amex, and City. Um, For us DC-based travelers, that's both you and I, for our international travel at least, there's few better options to get to Europe, anywhere in Europe, uh, than Turkish. And Turkish can be had in business to Europe round trip for 90,000 Turkish miles and smiles. Um, If you were to sign up for this card at $80,000 and spend $4,000 in three months, all at supermarkets or gas stations hit that minimum spend, you'd have 92,000 points from one sign-up bonus. That's enough to fly yourself or a family member in round-trip business to Europe on one of the nicest carriers uh, that we have, especially from Dulles. Uh, Lots of other options, but as a Dulles International Flyer, it's a great option for us. Not such a bad deal. I do just want to point out, you you misspoke there and said to get this card at $80,000. I don't want to scare people. It's not $80,000. It's 80,000 points. And I'm, 4, so excited, I'm so excited, I'm so excited. So excited. Points, dollars, it's all the same. <laughs> yeah. Uh, doesn't matter how much we spend on a, on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis. I doubt many of us would sign up for a card that has an $80,000 minimum spend. Yeah, probably not. I couldn't recommend that one. City Premier card, 80,000 points. Great offer. Definitely take a look at this card if you don't have one or if you haven't got one in a long time. Great way to earn some points and travel to Europe, as Derek said. Next up, we've got Chase, and Chase couldn't leave well enough alone, I guess, with their big offers with the Sapphire Preferred and the Sapphire Reserve. So they have some changes coming out on both of those cards. And we'll run through them quickly. They These changes have been confirmed by the Chase Media team. This was first reported by Doctor of Credit because there was actually the leaked terms and conditions for the new cards with these changes listed. The annual fees were not listed in those, so we have no idea if the annual fees will be going up on both of these cards. 
We also don't know if the changes that were leaked are going to be the changes. So the media team has confirmed that there will be changes coming to the Chase Sapphire Preferred and the Chase Sapphire Reserve, but they won't say what those changes are yet. Yeah, and I would hope, Jeff, I mean, again, nothing confirmed, but I would hope at least the CSR, uh, Chase Sapphire Reserve, does not have an annual fee increase. This news literally leaked the week that a lot of cardholders were getting the the official notices that the uh, $100 credit to reduce the new annual fee of $550 down to $450 at the old rate uh, is ending and starting. I, I think it's already happened, actually, in July. Uh, everyone's now uh, renewing at the 550 rate. So let's hope that doesn't go up. Uh, Chase Sapphire Preferred, we don't know. I will say if there's ever a time to increase an annual fee, it'd probably be when they're offering an all-time high sign-up bonus, the one we've been mentioning for weeks, the 100,000-point offer uh, with a $95 annual fee. So let's hope they don't go up, that, but they may. You never know. And to get into those changes, first, the Sapphire Preferred, uh, the Rumors are, and again, all rumors, but uh, confirmed at least in part by the Chase social media team, Chase Sapphire Preferred is going to have a $50 annual hotel credit. This is per card member year, so after your your annual fee post, you will have that credit again, uh, and that is not a calendar year benefit. You must book the hotel uh, to get the credit through the Chase Travel Portal. Two caveats there. Number one, Chase Travel Portal uh, is powered by Expedia, so that will be considered a third-party uh, booking, and you will not receive or you shouldn't receive uh, Elite Night benefits or, or status Elite Night credit, uh, although your mileage may vary on that, but it's definitely not supposed to it's, as it is an Expedia booking. Also, on the earn side, the Chase Sapphire Preferred will earn 5x on travel book through the Chase Travel Portal. It will earn 3x on dining, streaming services, and online grocery. Uh, we don't really know what online grocery uh, includes and excludes, but specifically excluded are Target, Walmart, and Wholesale Clubs. Uh, to round it out, the 2x on travel will stay uh, from, from the original card as it is now, and then, of course, 1x on all other purchases. Uh, the interesting piece, though, Jeff, is the sort of uh, bow on top that they give us on the CSP. Every year at your card member anniversary, you will earn 10% anniversary points bonus. So every point you earn for the last card member year, they will give you 10% of the total points earned as a anniversary bonus. Um, and once you pay that annual fee, uh, it will happen. Uh, specifically excluded, though, is any sign-up bonus received. So I have two thoughts on this. First of all, those benefits, I mean, they look good. They don't look, there's nothing great. There's nothing wonderful. A lot of that is tied to them pushing the Chase Travel Portal but there's two things I can see happening here. One, they've added a $50 credit and they've added a 10% anniversary bonus. And I can very much see them saying, okay, now the fee is going to be $150 or $195. And the other thing I can see them doing is completely nixing retention payouts for this card because they will say, 
oh, but as soon as you pay the fee, you'll get a 10% bonus on all those points you earned. So that's your retention right there. So I don't know if both of those things, those are my predictions, those are my guesses. I think we'll see an increase of the annual fee, and I think we'll see less retention on that card. Yeah, and I mean, you know, as we all know, Chase is very stingy with retention offers anyway on their ultimate rewards earning cards, the Sapphires and the Freedoms and the Inks. So I, I think you're right. I would I would almost assume we see no retention offers once this is out there. I honestly see only two good parts to this, Jeff. Like I said, I'm not going to use the Chase Travel Portal much, uh, number one, because if you book hotels um, for the $50 uh, credit, you you receive no elite benefits. So, you know, f- for especially a Hyatt Globalist if, uh, or a Marriott uh, Titanium or Platinum, Hilton Diamond or Gold, any of those, if you're entitled to breakfast benefits booking direct and you typically take advantage of that, uh, you're probably uh, coming out uh, at a negative amount if you book through the portal, the Chase portal, and and not direct and don't get any of your benefits. So I kind of see that as not really a benefit at all, quite honestly. But the two interesting pieces to me, obviously, are the 10% anniversary point bonus, which could add up to a lot of points for some people. But more importantly is the 3X online grocery, Jeff. I'm just scratching my head and thinking, what is that going to include and what will it not? As we all know, when you look up that Visa Supplier Locator website, if you're not familiar with it, I would recommend just Googling Visa Supplier Locator. A lot of stuff codes as groceries that aren't groceries. I've seen wineries code as groceries. I've seen pharmacies code as grocery. I've seen convenience stores, liquor stores, all kinds of fun stuff that shouldn't code. If all of a sudden we're getting 3X on that, um, that can you know, that can really add some really good earning opportunities for a lot of folks. I'll take three X on wine. That would be lovely. Yeah. Right. I'm going to add a counterpoint. (laughs) I'm going to add a quick counterpoint on the $50 annual hotel credit though. I'm excited about that because although it won't give you elite benefits, if you're booking and you're an elite with Hyatt or Hilton or Marriott or any of those major brands, I find myself in a lot of the smaller places that I travel or the strange locations I end up that there aren't any of those major brands anyway. So I'm booking a random little hotel somewhere. And this will be perfect for that because I wasn't going to get elite benefits anyway. And I may need a hotel the night before a flight or I may need a hotel in a tiny town. If I'm traveling solo, I may want to pick up a 60 or $70 night. $50 off of that will be fantastic for me. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, absolute great point. And with that, let's move on to the Chase Sapphire Reserve. Wait, were there really any changes on the Chase Sapphire Reserve? Yeah, there were, but not really. Not really. Overall, Nothing fairly, exciting. <laughs> I mean, I feel like Chase swung and missed again, Jeff, honestly. Um, we have a few that sound good, but they aren't, again, nee, maybe not so good. The card will now earn, the Chase Sapphire Reserve will now earn 10x on Chase Dining, not dining generally, not Grubhub and Uber Eats and all that stuff, uh, just through the Chase Dining page, which is a lot of especially high-end restaurants in major uh, metropolitan areas, but it'll turn uh, earn 10x Chase Dining, and then at hotel and car rental purchases through the Chase Travel Portal. It'll also include 5x on airline travel booked through the portal, 
3x on dining and other travel, which is an existing benefit, and then, of course, 1x on all other purchases. Uh, my quick take, Jeff, before I move on to you and get your thoughts, the 10x on Chase Dining uh, is not going to benefit most people. Uh, I know when the when they initially brought this out a few months ago, I think it was 15x. I looked a lot of places, and there were no restaurants available, uh, even in Washington D.C. Uh, that would really work. Uh, there were a few in Chicago, some in New York, and some in San Fran. But it was more so like events, you know, like the uh, pay 700 bucks just to come talk to this famous chef, that kind of thing. It was really bizarre. And then the the hotel and rental car purchases, I guess 10X in the Chase portal is pretty good. But again, you're dealing with Expedia. I wouldn't, I would prefer to book direct on a rental car for sure. And on a hotel, unless you're doing one of these one-offs, like Jeff said, especially when we still have some travel cancellations and things like that, that happening in our world, I would want to be booking direct unless it is those small one-off hotel stays. So what I think about these changes is, first of all, I think it's very strange to see so many changes on the lower end card, the Sapphire Preferred, which is why I think the annual fee is going to go up on that. And so few changes on their higher end or their premium card, the Sapphire Reserve. I think what they've done, if if these changes happen, which we're pretty sure they're going to, I think what they've effectively done is made the preferred an even stronger candidate and the reserve a lesser card for people to get. And I think even if we mentioned before, we still have that 100,000 point bonus on the Sapphire preferred, it's 60,000 point bonus on the reserve right now with that higher annual fee. And it looks like there aren't going to be many benefits changing, even if that rumored offer goes up to 70,000 points, like we're we're hearing may happen in July. Maybe that'll happen. Maybe that'll coincide with when these benefits or these changes kick in. They'll do a little bit higher offer. I still don't think it's worth it to get that card when you can get the hundred thousand points with the Sapphire Preferred. Agreed. And you know, Jeff, at the end of the day, the thing that that really just shocks me. Uh, two things actually. One, they add this ten percent anniversary bonus to the CSP, but not the CSR. That I mean. That really negates, in my mind, if you're getting 10% more points, that that's getting close to negating the uh, quarter point extra you're getting if you redeem via Pay Yourself Back or in the Chase Portal. Um, so, you know, they're making those cards much more similar there, which would lead me to think you might be right on the increased annual fee. But the the really big piece here is the reserve, again... We're now five years post-launch, uh, four years post-launch, and they still don't have a grocery category bonus. Almost every every other bank has a card with a, a full-time grocery bonus. Now we have Chase Sapphire Preferred that has online grocery, which we still don't know what it is, uh, and then the CSR has absolutely nothing. Meanwhile, you can earn 3x uncapped on the City Premier, as we mentioned. You can earn 4x on MX Gold. Um, you know, those two major banks. Capital One now has a 3X card uh, for grocery that's uncapped. Where is Chase? We have online grocery with the CSP and absolutely nothing on the CSR. Overall, I think it's a big swing and miss. Yeah, it's like American Express and City looked at the changes that were happening during the pandemic and where people were putting their spending and tried to make their cards more appealing. 
and Chase just held out until the end and said, ooh, people are starting to travel again. Let's uh, change our travel benefits a little bit. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But enough talking about Chase. Um, Well, almost enough. We will remind you that 100,000-point offer is still active. Um, You can use our links if you want to help us out a little bit. If you want to save a little bit more money, go into a Chase branch and see if they have the offer available with the $50 grocery credit and the waived annual fee. Up to you how you want to get that card. If you don't have one, we recommend it. Maybe pick that up and pick up the Premiere, too. 180,000 points mixed over your ultimate rewards and your city thank you points is going to get you a lot of travel. Yeah, great call quick update on the point debit card we've talked about it the last couple weeks i wanted to mention that i got my hundred dollar or my ten thousand point sign up bonus for doing my thousand dollars and spend on that i know you mentioned sarah got hers as well so those bonuses are popping in i have had a couple people reach out to me saying that they're using our links for that our our referral link and i wanted to say a quick thank you to those people we really do appreciate that that helps keep the lights on here at the podcast and allows us to get these things produced and out to you perfect yep and i would say uh at least our experience jeff was it was fairly seamless sarah hit the thousand dollar spend that you you have to do a thousand dollar spend in 30 days on your debit card uh to earn a hundred dollar bonus uh she hit that spend and i want to say the hundred dollar bonus uh posted to her account and to mine my account hundred dollar referral bonus the day after the spend um, posted on her account so you know within uh, within two days of or three days of of swiping the card for that thousand dollar mark uh, we both had our hundred bucks in our account so fairly seamless i will say point at least thus far and I have, I'm still giving it more time before I do, do a full review over at Travel on Points. But thus far, Point does not appear to be another Brex. It's not disaster uh, line and wait around the next bin. So uh, very impressed with the Point debit card. Uh, use Jeff's link there on, on milesandpints.com and, uh, and help support the podcast. And that's it for credit cards today. Let's pop over to hotels. We'll do a, a quick hit on Hyatt because they have their new bonus journeys promotion just came out. You have to register by the 20th of August, but honestly, with all these promotions, you should register right away. You never know when you're going to have an unexpected hotel stay. At least if you're like me, you never know (laughs) when you're going to have an unexpected hotel stay and you don't want to have forgotten to register for, for a promotion. So go register today. For your Hyatt accounts, it's three times points on two nights or longer stays through the middle of September, through the 15th of September. So if you have a, a weekend stay or a couple nights midweek or any two-plus night stay, uh, a great uh, multiplier earning on that. Is it a promotion that's going to get me to go out and book a whole bunch of Hyatt stays? No, but is it nice to get extra points? Yes. Yep. And for those people that like math, let's say you value Hyatt points at two cents each. Uh, you typically earn, without considering elite status, you typically earn five points per dollar at Hyatt spend. Um, again, just as a regular member. So this would mean you're earning 15 points per dollar uh, plus any elite bonus. So if you value those at two cents each, that is a 30% return on all spend for two plus night stays through September 15th. That's a really, really, really 
good return. By the time you add on some elite earnings and maybe you use your Hyatt credit card for another 4X, you're getting up in the 50% off range. Again, assuming you value Hyatt points at around two cents each. Yeah, so maybe a little better than I was thinking it was. <laughs> Look at you coming in with the math and changing hey, my mind. I'm a numbers guy, right? Yeah. So good news from Hyatt, Hilton, uh, not so much. They have a couple of unfriendly moves this week. They announced that uh, their housekeeping during the pandemic, basically most hotels stopped with daily housekeeping and cleaning of rooms unless you asked for it or you needed it for some reason. And even then, sometimes they wouldn't go in the room while you were still there. Hilton has announced that they're keeping that change. They, it was nice to reduce the staff, I guess, and nice to save some money on housekeeping, um, paying housekeepers. But housekeeping will now only be on request at Hilton Hotels unless you are staying in one of their top-tier luxury brands. If you have a long stay, the room will be cleaned on the fifth day of that stay. But other than that, you have to ask at the front desk if you want cleaning done for your room. So... I don't know. I just, that's part of staying in a hotel is the room is cleaned every day. And sometimes I put up the do not stir, do not disturb if I'm just staying two nights and won't have the room cleaned, but that's my choice. I shouldn't have to go to the front desk and say, please clean my room. That's what a hotel is. It's a place to sleep in a clean room. Yeah, I mean, you know, I understand like not every day because these places, you know, these hotels really are short staffed right now, but every five days, really? You know, I don't know about you, Jeff, but almost every hotel I've ever stayed in, if you have two people in the room, by the end of day one, you've ran out of in-room coffee, right? You're, un- unless you drink decaf, right? Your, your caffeinated coffee is gone by day one. So they really want you to go down every day and ask for more coffee and more creamer and more stirs and more cups and more towels and more washcloths. Come on, really? Or if you get one of those tiny little bottles of shampoo and a tiny little bottle of conditioner, <laughs> and if you're like my wife and have long hair that needs a lot of shampoo and conditioner... Those things don't last five days. Yeah, maybe maybe they'll be nice and like give us uh, a cleaning cart to bring all the stuff back up to our room because we have to like completely restock the room every two or three days. I mean, we can joke, but I mean, my gosh, this it just blows my mind. You know, I mean, again, I don't need my room cleaned every day, but at least proactively say, you know, we will we will replenish x y and z on a daily basis and just leave it at your door something like that i mean you shouldn't have to go down and get necessities or things you're used to in the room like coffee and and towels and things like that you shouldn't have to go down and get them every single day no absolutely not and in another unfriendly move hilton has announced the new signia brand and they're going to start by uh, rebranding a couple of Hilton hotels, but the the market for this is for large events and meetings. But the one thing that sticks out is they have said that their executive lounges at these properties they will be they will not be giving access to their elite members. So diamond members who normally have lounge access will not get them at these Signia properties because they've said that it will be an additional charge to use those lounges. They're going to be a little bit more special, so sorry, you don't get access, which I just don't get. Yeah, 
again, it's one of those things. It shouldn't be a surprise. This is, you know, um, I, I stay at a lot of Hilton's, you know, they have a bigger footprint than Hyatt and I prefer the Hyatt plus Hilton footprint and programs to, to Marriott, but we shouldn't be surprised with an elite program where they give away their highest award status with a credit card. All you have to do is sign up for a credit card and you get diamonds. So unfortunately, this is probably the future and we'll see even more benefits being pulled away from the diamond status. So, you know, it, it's unfortunate, but, you know, it probably is the future. And I will say the one hotel I think that they are starting with and they're going to rebrand is the Hilton Orlando Bonnet Creek, which I have actually stayed at. And they have some lovely outdoor areas and we stayed there with the kids. And I never once never once went to the lounge. I don't even know where it is on the property. So. Maybe not that big of a deal for a lot of stays, but when you're looking for that lounge access, I know a lot of people like to work out of the lounge if they're working during the day. It, it might be a big loss and a brand to avoid for some elites. And one note before we move on to airlines, there is a, I believe, somewhat limited targeted offer through Marriott. I have not heard of anyone uh, personally, that has received this offer, but I have seen a few DPs of it going out this week. Marriott is sending uh, targeted offers via email that if you stay one night, you receive a one-night certificate up to 35,000 points, and then again, another certificate if you stay a second night. Um, obviously, this if you're targeted for this and you can use it to your advantage, it may be worth it. How would you use it to your advantage? Well, if you can find a room nearby that's 50, 60, 70 bucks a night, and you have a stay uh, in the near future where you could use a 35,000 point certificate that would otherwise cost more than what you could book that cheap room for um, to, to just go and do a mattress run, that would certainly be worth it to save some money. You'd also get an extra elite night uh, towards your annual status that way again very very limited but if you get it maybe see if it's something you can you can use to your benefit otherwise i wouldn't go out and do a mattress run just to get a cert uh, because marriott as we mentioned before is playing games with those certificates and it's really hard to find good properties on weekends that aren't bumped up to 37.5 thousand points to avoid using those certs also, if you're like me and you have a bunch of the credit cards and they just kept extending the certificates, like I have all sorts of Marriott certificates laying around that I have a hard time using. So I don't need more at that 35,000 point level. A lot of people have that problem. I'm certainly glad we were able to burn five of them already this year. So we have knocked off a big part of that stash. And now let's move on to airlines, Jeff. We had some interesting news from Delta this week, a really nice award fair sale to Central America. Yeah, it was 20,000 points to, I think it was El Salvador, Guatemala, and Costa Rica, if I remember correctly, but it was a few countries that you may still see some of that laying around when this comes out, but really we wanted to mention it just to say keep an eye out for things because that's a good redemption to South America with your Delta Sky Miles, and they're doing promos. We've seen some promos from American Maybe United will do some. I don't know. I haven't. I don't remember seeing any great award sale promos from United, but we've seen Delta actually doing quite a few of them. They had some to Alaska that I had booked and then ended up having to cancel earlier this year. But if you're a member of these loyalty programs, definitely watch the news. You might be able to get a much cheaper flight to somewhere that you're looking to travel to. Or if you're just looking to travel to anywhere, 
it might give you a reason to go somewhere. There you go. Great idea. Always, always, always keep an eye out for fair sales. Uh, oftentimes, it's one of the best uses of points uh, you can have because they really, uh, really go way below what would be an average fair. And you can burn few points to go somewhere fun and interesting. Jeff, a little, uh, I guess, not good news. Uh, a few weeks ago, probably a month plus ago now, we talked about the uh, situation in Belarus. Uh, the uh, A flight was told to land due to potential terrorist activity, and it, it seemed like it was actually a plan by the Belarusian government to take uh, a wanted, uh, in their eyes, criminal, a journalist, off the flight and put him in jail. Uh, following that debacle, which was viewed by many, including the United States, as a political kidnapping, the U.S. has now blocked the sell of flights. To Belarus. And several other countries have done this as well, but it's just, we wanted to give a quick update that it's basically the U.S. has said it's not safe to fly to this country. They are treating passengers as if they're their own property. And I don't know if you're looking to get there, unfortunately, can't do it from the U.S. at this point. Maybe fly into a neighboring country and travel over land or get a flight from that neighboring country, depending on who's allowing flights at this point. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, even if it's not like, if, even if it is on your I really want to go there list, maybe you move it to, but not right now. Kind of like a country that's currently in the middle of a war, those type of things. You know, a coup is going on, what have you. I would, you know, certainly wouldn't recommend going to Belarus right now. There's certainly a reason our government is blocking flights there, uh, and it's probably best to avoid that area for the near future. One other thing with airlines, I want to give a quick update on a Virgin Atlantic award flight that I had booked. It was one of my tickets. I have a whole spreadsheet of tickets that flights that got canceled during the pandemic. And Virgin Atlantic had canceled these flights, but rather than issuing a refund, it was just sitting in our account as an open ticket. And it was actually clever the way they did it. It was showing as a flight from OPE to NTK. So it was literally an open ticket. Um, <laughs> and it still sits in the account. And they've just been extending it time and time again. But I didn't know what to do with this because I had booked one of my favorite awards with them as a 10,000-point economy award from D.C. to London. And it's it's like $182 in fees on top of that. But it's a pretty cheap way to hop across the pond. So we had booked that for myself and my wife. But in the meantime they have changed their award charts so you can still find 10,000 point awards but most of the time especially during the summer it's 20,000 points from DC to London now and I was concerned about this and that I was going to have to hunt and find a 10,000 point award so I called them to see what the deal was with this and what she told me was actually also it was showing as the flight was taking off on August 31st so I was worried that my ticket was going to expire and I called and I asked when that actually expires. And she says, oh, yeah, that'll just keep extending there. And I think it they're extending it, I think she said, until March of 2023, which is the longest I've heard of anyone. But what she also said is, I don't need to find a 10,000-point flight. They will, for a one-time change, absorb the additional points and additional cost for me to fly whenever I want to go, as long as I keep that same route and same passengers. So very friendly move from Virgin Atlantic, and I just need to find a time to get over to London, I guess. Maybe this fall, maybe 
in the spring. I don't know. Maybe in 2022 because my ticket will be good forever, apparently. Two things on that, Jeff. Number one, I'm sure you would agree. I find Virgin Atlantic phone agents to be probably the most competent in the business. They're fast. uh, They're extremely efficient. And they're very knowledgeable about their own charts and their partner charts. So it's usually a pleasure to deal with them, especially compared to other um, companies. Cough. Life Miles. Cough. But... The second piece, are you 100% certain this open ticket wasn't ANA first to Tokyo? Unfortunately, I do have to keep it. At, oh. There were some qualifications. <laughs> I have to keep the same um, destination, the same departure airport, and it has to be on Virgin Atlantic Metal. So she did tell me, like, I can't fly it. They've canceled all of their flights from the U.S. to London through July and into August. So she said, if you're seeing awards, then it's on Delta. So you won't be able to fly that. It has to be on Virgin Atlantic metal for them to eat the increased cost. Oh, well, it was worth a shot, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's flexible, but not (laughs) stupid flexible, not $24,000 flexible. (laughs) Yeah. So let's switch over to travel. Uh, A couple of things to note. There is a new promo out from the state of Tennessee, and it's called Tennessee on Me. And it's an interesting promo that if you can take advantage of it, it might be a good deal for some. I actually booked one of them. A lot of people think I'm crazy for doing that. But here's what the promo is. It's If you book a two-night hotel stay in Chattanooga, Knoxville, Memphis, or Nashville, there's a specific list of hotels. It has to be booked through this promo website. You can't change or cancel the hotel stay once you've booked it, so you have to be really sure you're going. But if you book that two-night hotel stay, you get a $250 airline voucher, and you can choose American, Delta, or Southwest. So depending on what the hotel price is out at, it can be a pretty good deal. I've seen some people found uh, two-night hotel stays in Knoxville that were less than $250, so basically it turns into a free hotel stay if you want to go there. I ended up booking in Nashville. I'm headed there in September for the men's national team World Cup qualifier that is Labor Day weekend, and hotel prices in Nashville were crazy that weekend. (laughs) Probably not 125 a night for that uh, qualifier. No, um, but what it works out to, it was, I think it was $455 for my two-night stay, but I'll get that $250 back. So it ended up working out to, including taxes, I'm paying $108 per night for that hotel, which is way better than I could do, way better than I could do with any points cost. So I got two nights. Plus, it's kind of a cool hotel. It's the 21C Museum Hotel in Nashville. And I don't know if you've ever stayed at any of those, but we stayed at one in... Where did we stay at one? Louisville or St. Louis, I think. And it was such a cool hotel. It's actually a museum, and you have access to the museum 24 hours a day, so you can wander through. Chrissy and I went and looked at the art at like 1130 at night after we were back from our day of exploring. And they're they're just neat hotels. So I it's a it's a cooler hotel than I was gonna be at. It's a lower price than I was gonna be at. And assuming that airline voucher isn't some sort of weird restricted thing, then it'll be a good deal for me. 
that's the other thing that people thought I was crazy for doing it because you have no details on the airline voucher. I know I picked Southwest because I fly them a lot, but I have no details on what this voucher, any terms or conditions for it. And I'll get that in a couple of days once they've verified that my stay qualifies. So, yeah, and I mean, I have not booked it myself, and I honestly haven't had time this week to dig into it. Uh, I know you look through all the things, but I will say this has gone mainstream. I've seen this on CNN and a few other news outlets. So with that type of exposure, I, I can only imagine it is it is legit, and you will get a airline voucher with uh, little to no hassle. So uh, always keep an eye out for things like that. They can be lucrative, especially if you don't uh, go reaching for it. Jeff had a really good reason to do it, and it's going to be a great money savings for his trip to Nashville. So can't wait to hear all, all about that. In other travel news, Jeff, a lot of people will be happy as of this week. Hawaii is officially no longer requiring testing or a quarantine for vaccinated travelers. I know we've we've hinted at this uh, over the last month or so. It is finally official. I believe as of Ju- uh, July eighth, uh, no more quarantine or testing for vaccinated travelers. So if you if you're wanting to go to Hawaii and you haven't got a vaccination yet, well, here's hopefully that last kick in the butt to go do it. You can now travel to Hawaii as a vaccinated person without doing anything else, which is really really good to see. And if you go to Hawaii, you will find long lines and a lot of people everywhere. The mayor of Maui, I believe, the other day actually asked airlines to stop flying so many people to Hawaii because they were worried about over-tourism. So prepare for a lot of people because that's a quick destination still within the U.S. that a lot of U.S. citizens are traveling to. So watch out for that. That kind of brings us into our last point that there are crazy lines and just endless mayhem for U.S. travel still. If you're at national parks, if you're on airlines flying domestically, there's people fighting every day. There's a a lot of crazy to look out for. But I do want to point out that I have some friends and I've seen some travel bloggers who are traveling internationally to places that are typically very popular. I know... um, Spencer, who's been a guest on the show from Straight to the Points, uh, was in Dubrovnik the past couple of days, which is normally crazy packed in the summer with Game of Thrones fans. And he put some pictures up and said, I don't know what it's like when it's busy, but it's lovely right now. And there were a couple of people on the street and he was walking along. So if you can make it to an international destination right now, even some of those places that are typically crazy popular in the summer, That might be a better bet than traveling to a U.S. national park where you're going to be in line and deal with all sorts of cranky hot travelers. Yep, and I saw a couple of DPs this week, Jeff, similar issues in Italy, especially Rome. Uh, Colosseum, almost completely empty. Uh, You know, some of the famous Italian places, pizza places around the Colosseum uh, and that area in Rome uh, that are world famous, uh, empty. Um, so, you know, those places, like you say, probably Athens is the same way. These places that are typically uh, just swarmed with tourists in Europe uh, during the summer months are almost empty because a lot of people don't even realize they are open for Americans now. So if you are able to travel internationally now and you are vaccinated, uh, like Jeff said, good time to go international. <laughs> and uh, bless you if you travel domestically. I, I traveled last week, last weekend uh, down to Florida and it is a disaster. Airplanes are full, hotels are full, 
Airports are full. Rental car facilities obviously are very full with long lines and few cars. And um, maybe the worst part is it seems a, a large majority of the travelers are not typical travelers, may have not gone through a TSA check in many, many years, if ever, have no idea what they're doing, and that just makes the backup even longer. So uh, as we've said for, I guess, now two or three months, uh, as you go out traveling this summer, especially domestically, be prepared uh, to have long lines and please take extra patience because it may not be as smooth as you recall from pre-pandemic. And that's all we have for our updates this week. It went a little bit long because we had some big news on the credit card front, but we hope that you learned something and we hope you're out there using points, earning points and traveling. We'll talk to you next week. Well, we hope you had as much fun listening to Richard as we did talking to him. He's definitely had some amazing travel experiences throughout the years, and I'm happy to say that I've even been a part of a few of them. I have no doubt that there are many more adventures to come. All of the important points and links for things we have talked about during our conversation will be in the show notes, so you can pick up anything that you missed the first time through. The easiest place to find those notes is at milesandpints.com. Thanks so much for listening to Miles and Pints, the Travel and Beer podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe so you can hear all of our new episodes as soon as they're released. Tell your friends and family about us so they can enjoy the show too, and please take a few minutes to leave us a review on your favorite listening platform. In between episodes, you can get more Travel and Beer content by following at Miles and Pints on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. You can also stop by our Facebook page at facebook.com slash milesandpints. And that's all we have for this episode. Until next time, we hope you find yourselves a little bit of travel, a little bit of beer, and a whole lot of fun.
Nothing